Genesis 12, 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the, and into the land of Canaan they came. Let us pray one more time. Father, again, we thank you for the word that you've given, and Lord, we just ask for your, your hand on us this morning. Um, just give wisdom to me as I speak, but Lord, that uh, you would help each person here to, to gain something from your word this morning um, that would be a help or a blessing to them at this time, and we thank you for what you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. I was pleasantly surprised last week of the number of people that came to me and said that they really enjoyed or were blessed or encouraged by what I preached last week. And honestly, I was surprised because I didn't, I didn't feel that in my preparation that this is some great encouraging sermon. So it's, it's funny how, you know, as a preacher, if you prepare something and you think you put a lot of work into this and you think it's really good and then nobody says a word, it's like, did you not understand? <laughs> and then some days it's like it's the other way around. It's like what I don't feel like there's a lot in, people get really blessed by. And we just never know what God is going to use. Um, anyway, I, I felt the need to carry on kind of on the, on the same path this week um, where we were last. In this idea of listening to God and following God's direction, and I mentioned it, you know, as a, I grew up Baptist, so, you know, listening to, to God's voice and hearing God's voice and all this prophecy stuff is kind of a little bit of a, a stretch for me at times. I did go to, a, I shouldn't admit this here. <laughs> I, in high school, I was dating a girl that went to United Pentecostal Church. And so I went to that church with her on Sunday evenings after going to my family's Baptist church on Sunday mornings for, for a number of years. <laughs> and so I, it's not like I'm not exposed to this stuff. I, I, I took part in it. Like I did the hand-raising stuff and clapping when we sang. You know, like <laughs> I'm not opposed to, to some of this. Um, but I, I, and I actually got quite involved in, in some of the other parts of it. And after a while, I, read scripture, and I, this is as a high school student on my own, reading my Bible and saying, like, this doesn't line up with what I see happening in this church. And so I started to kind of back off a little bit from the, the feeling and getting involved and wrapped up in, in the emotional part of it. And then I, I just observed, and the more I observed, the less I felt like this was God doing a lot of this and that it was just 
people exhibiting stuff out of their own heart and out of their own spirit and making themselves look spiritual in this setting. And I say that because this is kind of what happens in this whole area of God speaking to me. I said last, I gave you some stories last week of I'm certain that God instructed us in these things and put us exactly where he wanted us. But it was not that I could say, God said to me, I need to turn or do or whatever it was. It was just that I felt this impression within me to do or Jen and said, and I did what that impression in her was to go and do. And I can look back at it and say, oh, that was God's hand. (laughs) Sometimes we think, and I, I had this conversation afterwards, sometimes we'll think that God has spoken. Um, and I, I gave this, I don't believe I said it out loud here. <laughs> when I was first getting into preaching, um, I was filling in at the Dorian Bible Chapel, and at one point I had applied to become the pastor there, and I really felt God leading that way. I, you know, I had this earth yearning in my heart to, to pastor and to preach, and I really enjoyed this little church there, and they, they tolerated my preaching, and did I say this last time? <laughs> about, I had a dream about the thing, right? That didn't happen. That wasn't God speaking. That was, that was my own heart deriving this thing that I longed for, And what I thought was God's voice wasn't God's voice. God had different things. And so we need to be careful and make sure, before I proclaim out loud that God is speaking and God said to me this, maybe just hold the thing in your heart (laughs) and see what God does with that. Um, There's a... We, we look at various passages in this, and, and 1 Kings 19, maybe we'll just look at the, the thing just so we turn to the scripture instead of just me describing it. 1 Kings 19. And we're looking at these stories of Elijah, and Elijah is God's prophet who God speaks to very clearly and speaks through very clearly. This is actually a prophet of God, right? And yet, we see this thing, and God has led him to this place. First um, Kings 19, get to verse 11. says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it 
that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And so then he has this conversation with God. Our tendency is to look at the, the big stuff, right? The sensational. And we think God is in the sensational. But often, the sensational is my own imagination, my own, my own looking for God's voice. It's not God's actual voice. God's actual voice speaks somewhere within my heart in almost an indiscernible way. Um, and that's not always, of course. But, but as a, here's an example of that, that it's not always in the sensational things. It's, it's in the quiet place of the heart. Um, and just another warning. Um, it's in, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, if you want to look at it. But it, it just says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's our heart. And that's all of our hearts. Deceitful and wicked. And so we need to be careful of that thing and what we're trying to get God to say or what we think God is saying. Is that just our deceitful and wicked heart creating this thing? And um, talk about some of the, the things that take place at camp and the conversations that took place at camp this week is this young man who doesn't put any value in scripture, but every time you argue about something theological, he would point to some person said this, or so-and-so said that. And he didn't really care what the Bible itself said. And the issue with that is like, what is our foundation? What's my basis for what I believe? Is it just my own deceitful heart? coming up with its own ideas. And if that's what it is, it's useless. We need a foundation outside of ourselves. It has to be God's word. Genesis 1.27 says that God made man in his, in his own image. In the image of him created he them. Male and female created he them. God made us in his image. And yet our tendency is to create a God in our image. We create a God in our mind that acts and does and thinks the way I want him to act and do and think. And so when I sit in my prayer closet at home and I have this conversation with God, and I put God, words in God's mouth, that's not, necessary. That's not God speaking, that's me imparting my ideas onto what I think God should be. And so we just need to be cautious, realizing that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. <laughs> we need to be very careful in attributing to God things that aren't God, not God speaking. Um, I've had too much experience 
personally, and there, I, I get giving you the one example that was very clear, but I've had other experiences where you listen to people speak and speak of their conversation with God, which is completely anti-scriptural, contrary to what scripture teaches, and they come up with these things and tell you that this was a conversation with God, and God said, it's like, well, God didn't say both this and that <laughs> because they're contrary one to another. And so I, I'm fairly certain that what you're saying God said to you, God didn't say to you. Um, I think the guy, Justin Peters, I think that's the right person. Um, fairly popular preacher, teacher, and just saw a clip of him, and I've watched it before, speaking on tongues and that phenomena within churches. But he points out that you can go to the Hindus and watch the exact same phenomena taking place, the exact same outward expressions, the exact same sounds, and everything that you see in a a hyper-charismatic church when it comes to this tongues phenomena, takes place within a, a Hindu worship service as well, which is worshiping devils, according to scripture. Why do we look to this as if it's some great spiritual thing? We're looking at the sensational, thinking that, well, this must be God. Well, I can show you somebody else doing the exact same thing, and it's certainly spiritual. But it's not God. This isn't God working. And so we need to be very careful comparing these things that come up with Scripture. Does this line up? And when we do that, we should get to this point, and we'll go back to to Genesis 12 here. It says, the Lord said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. And he gives him a promise. Verses 2 and 3 and verse 4 says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. Lot went with him. I'd like to be there for that conversation. Lot's around. Abram's 75 years old, remember. This isn't a young man. And just for perspective, so God's promising him a big family at 75 years old. And when he's 100 years old or 99 years old, he has the conversation with God. He's like, I am past the point of having kids. Where's this promise? So, it's not like the before the flood time when they're 100 and, or 300 years old when they start having kids, right? This is normal life to us of a 90-something-year-old person is no longer going to be having children. And yet, so here we are. 75-year-old guy packing up, about to leave home. And his nephew sees him packing up. Abram, where are you going? Do you know what his answer is? I don't know. (laughs) 
I don't know. God said to go. He didn't say where he was going, where I was going to go. He just said I would show you. I don't know where I'm going. It's like, well, can I come? <laughs> it's like, why? Why do you want to come to some place that you don't know where he's going? It's like, God, you said God told you to go there. I want to come. I want to be part of whatever it is that God's doing. I want to be a part of that. That's exactly what Torsten said this morning. You see somewhere where God's doing something? Man, get involved. You want to see God working? You want to see God speak? Well, when God is moving somewhere, well, now's a good time to, to get involved in that. Maybe it wasn't God spoke to you, but you know, we look at this Bible camp, and somewhere along the way, Brian and Suzanne felt God's voice pushing them into this ministry. If you show up at that Bible camp at any given week through the summer, it's not just local people there. It's Brian and Suzanne and her best friend running the kitchen and some other friend helping in the kitchen and usually two or three other families that have come up to be with them. This is Lot following Abram. It's like, God told you to go up north and, and, and run a Bible camp? Can I come? Can I get involved? That should be our, our heart. Is like, get involved with where God's doing something. You see God moving, go and follow and get involved in it. What, what, what better blessing can you get in life than just being involved in what God's doing? Like, we can follow this story and things don't turn out great for Lot. He, he, made, he makes some poor choices in life. And we see like the Sodom and Gomorrah thing. And Lot is sitting down there in the city with all these wicked people. But in that process, like God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to destroy that city. And Abraham's like, well, whoa, hey, what, if, what about the righteous people that are there? What about the God-fearing people? What about the Christians? And God says, well, if there's any there, you know, he gives this number and then he, if there's 50, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll spare it for that number. And Abraham, you know, you know the phrase Jewing you down? <laughs> this is a bargaining thing. It started with Abraham. <laughs> bargaining with God. Well, what about 40? Would you do it for 40? Yeah, 30? You get some down to 10. I don't know, was it 5? Whatever. There wasn't that many. Whatever he got down to, there just, there wasn't enough people to be found. So the angel goes down and he, he finds Lot sitting in the city with his family there. And there's only a, a couple of people gets into that house and gets out of that city. But you know, interestingly, if, if you go back to um, 2 Peter chapter 2, there's a comment about Lot that surprises me. When I look at Lot, like if I was just to, to read Genesis and the account that we see of Lot going through life, his herdmen fighting with Abram's herdmen, 
his choice to go to the city, like when they decide to, to part ways, they're like, oh, there's a nice, nice town over there. I, I, wanna, I want the better grass and I want the bigger city. And so Abram, like, okay, yeah, go ahead. I'll, you go that way, I'll go the other way, whatever you want. It's like, I would, I would watch Lot's life and say, this wasn't a great guy as far as his decision-making process. But you get to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, or, well, verse 6, I guess, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample to those that after should live ungodly. And he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Winking smiley face, by the way. <laughs> um, that's not my description of Lot. If I was to preach about Lot from Genesis, I would have been, I'd use Lot as an example of what not to be. And I think I would still use Lot as an example of what not to be. But God looked at Lot and he calls him just Lot, that righteous man. Man, that guy lived among the most wicked people. Like God destroyed the entire city of people that he lived with. They were so wicked. And yet Lot is called just and righteous way back here when, when being referred to later on. That's not the lot that I would picture, but this was Lot who, when Abram is listening to God's voice, says, can I come? Can I be a part of that? Can I receive a part of the blessing of God in your life by you following God's instruction? And I'm, I'm just going to tag along and receive a part of that blessing. And he did. Now, there's a reason why God called Abram and not Lot. Lot wasn't a great example of decision-making processes here. But he, he got involved with what God was doing, and he followed Abram in what God had commanded him to do. And he's like, I want to come. I want to be there. I want to be a part of that blessing. And he wasn't a sinful man. He's not described that way. He's described as just and righteous. He was a good man. Just made some dumb choices along the way. It's like he put himself in the wrong parts and he, he didn't guide his people well as far as like the fighting with Abraham. It's some challenges there, right? Um, if you, Go back to, to Hebrews 11. We looked at this when we were talking about uh, Noah and the things that God did there. And Get to verse 6 in Hebrews 11. It says, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, for, for one, this, that last part is like, God spoke to Abram, and we see Lot looking for, looking for God, looking for what is God doing, and I want to be involved in what God is doing. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Man, Lot got a huge blessing. Like, he grew, he had land, he had wealth. God blessed him. He was a part of that. He was seeking after what God was doing, and he received a part of that blessing just by being with Abraham. But if we look, verse 8, verse 7 talks about Noah. We'll skip that and go to verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Not knowing whether he went. Like, he didn't know where he was going to go. God just says to go and I'll show you. I'll show you when you get there. Just go. Make a right. Go straight. Okay, now turn left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, where am I going? I don't, we'll see. You'll see. Can you imagine being Lot? It doesn't even make sense to us, does it? I'm going to follow the guy that doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> He just said, God told me to go and that he would show me. And it's like, okay, well, I'll come. By faith, verse 9 says, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Well, there's a reason to follow him. Lot was doing the right thing by following Abram. God's giving this guy a a city with a foundation that God built. You can't get a better place to set up of the place that God is building. Be a part of that. How do we apply it to our to our life today now. Like, okay, we I can give you the example of the, the Bible camp and, and this couple and the, the crowd of friends and people that followed them up here to, to take part in that ministry and to receive a part of that blessing. i tell you, man, they're blessed. Man, I don't know, I've never heard of a single person that regretted <laughs> coming up and following them to take part in that. So what about us? What beyond here that one Bible camp thing? Um, there's there's a couple places we could look at, but just look briefly at, at Romans chapter twelve. I'm gonna not read the whole thing. I'll just kind of skip through a little bit just to get the the idea of what's being said. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I look at that and present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Be not conformed to this world. Can you imagine the life change of being in southern Ontario, running your own business, and walking away from that to go run a youth camp up here? It doesn't make sense, does it? doesn't make sense. You know, I used to have a job, and <laughs> the normal job. Um, my vacation time was precious to me. That couple of weeks a year that we had to do with whatever we wanted to do with, I didn't have to go to work for that couple of weeks. That was precious, and people make plans around that stuff, sometimes years in advance trying to utilize that little bit of free time to, the, to their most fulfillment, right? Do you know what all these people have done? Is they've taken their couple of weeks of vacation time and they've shown up at Bible camp and given that time to the Lord. To do ministry. To be tormented and kept awake late at night. <laughs> Should have seen Torsten's face at the end of the week. You could, you could, (laughs) (laughs) it's not an easy thing. You don't follow God because it's easy. You follow because it's what he wants you to do. Because it's the right thing to do. You present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We don't always fully understand what God is doing. But when we start to submit to that, we start to see that acceptable, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's like, the more I submit to it, the more of that fulfillment of this is God's will that I'll see happening in my life. If I continue on here, we get to verse 5, says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait upon our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, Let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now we could go other play. I'm not going to go to the different passages that speak of the various gifts of God in our lives. But there's many. God has given each of us our own unique set of skills and talents and personality that we are suited to 
to do a service for God in a particular place and way that somebody else isn't. Every single one of us. You can go to the other passages. Like, remember he talks about, you know, because I'm not the I, I'm, I'm not part of the body. It's like, well, how dumb is that? My pinky isn't my eye, but boy, would I miss my pinky if I didn't have it. Some of us may understand that better than others. <laughs> we each have a, a role. And whatever that role is, we need to do it for God. Present that, whatever that ability that God has given you, you present it to him and say, what, what would you like me to do with it? And when he shows you an opportunity, you take that opportunity and you say, okay. And you look at it, it's like the world looks at you. Can you imagine when I, I'm running, I bought the garage from my father-in-law, I'm running a business, buying that, paying for a, this big house. And all of a sudden, in the matter of two months, we sell our business, we sell our house, and we move <laughs> to go run a Bible camp. That was a few years ago. Man, people thought we were nuts. It's like, but you know what? I, I looked at the Bible and saw a verse that says, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, if I hang on to that thing, what am I telling God? It's like, well, I don't really trust you (laughs) to be able to take care of me in this. It was in that that, you know, we were diligent financially. We paid off our house while being paid as a missionary running a Bible camp. We weren't rich. We just were diligent and let God use his blessings to take care of us. And and he's taking care of us well. God's given each of us something that we are to do for him. We need to figure out what that thing is. Let God speak. And if it's just you following Abraham like Lot did, find somebody that God called me and told me to go here and I'm going to go wherever here is. And you just, sometimes it's just, can I come? (laughs) Can I come? Can I receive a part of that blessing? I think I can help. If we keep following, we get to verse 12 here in, in Romans 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them that persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, you're not wise in your own conceits. And he, he carries on, but you see this attitude of verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The stuff that God calls us to do when doesn't make sense to the world. 
and then he gives some explanation distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them that persecute you. People are going to call you names. People are going to not be nice to you. But if this is where God put you, you're to receive that. The memory verse that is in the bulletin today Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. There's a blessing. It's the opposite of the world. It doesn't make any sense to the world when we start following what God tells us to do. But there's a blessing in it. Sometimes the blessings are hard to see, but there's a blessing. And we should be looking to follow God's instruction, to go be where God wants us to be, to to get involved where God is doing a work so that we can take part in that blessing. I think we'll stop there. Let's pray.